Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city. It lies four square. The gates are made of jasper and I'll see Jesus. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we also have a website, propheticnews.com. There's my contact information is there if you need to contact me. Also, you can email me, Susan at prophetic news that's susan at propheticnews.com that's our email address also we have two youtube channels we have our youtube channel susan puzio that's under my name and then we have greedy preachers tv now <laughs> oh yeah, thank you okay we have our sound which is great Thank you, Shannon. So, Greedy Preachers TV. Now, we can we can really see evidence of that when we turn on the tube and you're flicking across the channels and you're saying, can I find something that's edifying today? Because I, I sure could use some edification today because uh, I've been listening to the news and the news is so bad. The world, the world is in chaos, total chaos. And so you, you, you're flicking across the channel and you're saying, can somebody please give me a good word? And most of the word is send me $5 and you'll get household salvation. You'll get freedom from fear you could you can send a thousand dollars you can get favor from god there's all kinds of things that you can buy at the so-called christian television store it's not true and so anyway we have our greedy preachers tv will will it ever end probably not on this side as long as we're here i I suspect, now this is just my own suspicion, that what we're seeing in the world today with the chaos in the world, and we're seeing evil like we never thought we would see evil. And we see so much propaganda, propaganda. And I know somebody was saying to me one day, well, when I, when I sometimes when I'm talking to people on the phone and I'm telling them things and they're saying, well, there's so much fake news. Yeah, I know there's a lot of fake news. There's plenty of fake news out there, but that's why you have to do your own research. And it's not just I don't just read something and say to myself most of the time. Now I don't just read something and say, oh, that must be true. 
No, you have to go. I look for audio. If somebody says, well, they they were putting out a story last week about the vice president saying something. And I, I said to my friend, I said, well, I'm not going to believe that she said it unless I see her saying it. If I see a video of her and the words are actually coming out of her mouth, then I will believe it. But I don't want a secondhand story saying, oh, and behind the scenes, this was going on. This is what she said. I don't trust the news media for the most part. And most of them, if you look back on history, and uh, I can't remember the, the man's name right off the top of my head right now, but one of the guys that founded CBS, or he was the president of CBS. Anyway, he, he worked for the CIA doing information, information. So there's a lot of information that people put out, and it's not necessarily true information. Anybody could write anything. Anybody could say anything about you. They, 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 and you see it happen a lot. You see these kind of things happen a lot where People say, yeah, <laughs> people say, um, especially if if uh, people don't like you, say if you're a politician, especially if you're in politics, they'll put out a story about something you did when you were 10 years old or somebody said that they saw you do something. Well, that's not good enough because... If somebody's going to make an accusation, they have to have evidence. It's not just that somebody said. And I like to watch some of these crime shows. Not too much because you can't take too much of it. And uh, But if you watch some of these crime shows and they'll say, well, the, the jailhouse snitch said that he said. Well, I'm not going to believe, especially I'm not going to believe a jailhouse snitch that's looking out for his own interest and you actually I've actually heard some of these people that are in jail they say that well why did you lie about that person why did you say that that person said they said well because I wanted a coke or I wanted some cigarettes I've actually heard them say that and the only re- the only way I was going to get my coke and my cigarettes was that I was going to have to I could get out of my cell and go into a room with the police and the detectives, and then I can make up stories about my cellmate or the cellmate next door, and I would get privileges. So I've actually heard people say, yeah, I wanted a Coke or a candy bar. So <laughs> you, can't, you can't believe everything people say. And people that don't like you will say things about you. They'll say like, you know, if you have crazy relatives, say you have crazy relatives, and your relatives don't know you, they've never spent a half hour with you in a conversation with your relatives. And, but they might hear from another relative about you, and so then they assume that it's true, and then they they talk about you. And so maybe you have relatives, but that doesn't mean that they're your friends. You know, you just you're just related to these people by blood, or perhaps the uh, 
your father or your mother had sisters and brothers and they had children, but you don't even know these people. But yet they'll say things that somebody else said and they'll never get to know you as a person. So how do you get to know somebody? You spend time with them. You, you talk to them. You find out what they believe. And uh, then there'll be evidence. There'll be evidence. And I know for myself, when I became a Christian, the Lord told me there are certain things you can't do now that you're a Christian. And you have to live to a certain moral code because you have to remember that when you do something you're not supposed to do with another person, so there's two people that are involved. So sometimes your sin will find you out because the other person decides maybe you're famous, maybe you have money. So now's the time I'm going to come forward and I'm going to try to extort money from you so that, uh, I don't want to reveal these things that you did while you were a Christian. So you have to follow a certain moral code so that people can't say, well, I know for a fact that you did this when you were a Christian. And how are you, you won't be able to deny it if the other person knows that you did it and they might even have evidence that you did it. So it's very important that especially as Christians, before you were a Christian, if people accuse you of something you did before you were a Christian, well, that's under the blood. And we're forgiven for all those things. So people can't say, well, you did this when you were 15. Like, who has any brains when they're 15? You don't, you don't know too much when you're 15. You think you do. You know, you think you do. And, but you don't. You don't really get what, what I found in my own life for me. It might not be for you, but for me, when I was about 50, and then I realized when I was about 50 that I, that I had a lot more wisdom than I had when I was 30. And when I was 20, when I was 20, forget about it. Like I said, you think you know, you know a lot, but you don't know. And uh, you don't really start getting wisdom until you get older. And then you live life, and then you can look back on your life and you say, I wish I wouldn't have done that. But you hear people say, and this really irks me when people say, I wouldn't change a thing. I would change a lot of things. I would change a lot of things. If I had my life to live over again, I wish more people would have witnessed to me, which they didn't. I didn't really have people witnessing to me until I was in my, my late 20s as far as people really telling me about the Lord. I think here and there I would meet a Christian, but I never remember people really witnessing to me until I was in my late 20s. And this was back like in 1980, 1979, 1980, when I finally met Christians that would witness to me. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I realized what a messed up life I had, then I gave my life to the Lord, but I was 30, 31 years old. And so I had 31 years where I didn't know God. And I I would change a lot of things, a lot of things I would change. And you know, when you, when you get older and we were talking about crazy relatives, well, you might have crazy relatives that remember what you were like. (laughs) You know, they remember what you were like when you were 15 and when you were 20 
and then they now it's 50 years later and they're still saying i remember what you did when you were 50 years ago i remember what you did oh like please get a life already i'm not that person none of us are that person that we were 50 years ago that's for sure and praise the lord that we aren't but that's misinformation fake news and uh so if you're going to do research and you're going to do your fact checking, which you should do, even what, things that I say, and I try to be as accurate as I can, I try to look over the evidence, I go back and listen to audios and look at videos, and I want to see what's coming out of the person's mouth for myself, especially if it's an issue that's going to affect us and our families for years to come. So that's the thing. Look for the information yourself, especially if you're making any decisions about what you're going to do about this coronavirus vaccine and about the medications and about the treatments and whether to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. I would have to say, Probably the mask doesn't 100% prevent you from getting uh, coronavirus. But what it does do is remember when you used to go to the store when, before this coronavirus or you went to church or wherever you went and you were out in, in crowds of people and people had the flu. And so then they would cough and they would sneeze and then they would wipe their hand, you know, use their hand to cough and then they would shake your hand. And then when they would sneeze, they wouldn't cover their mouth and they'd sneeze all over you or whatever. So how many people got sick like that from the flu? But at least if people have a mask on, if they cough or sneeze, you're you're not gonna get you know, you're not gonna get them spreading their germs like they used to do. So for that kind of protection where you have social distancing and you don't have people standing on top of you. And uh, because you feel like now you don't know who has cooties. We used to say that back in the sixties used to say, (laughs) we used like, Oh, they have cooties. So now you don't know, you don't know who's uh, carrying this insidious thing. It's like, Okay, ready we go. It's a year and a half, at least over a year and a half now that we've been living with this virus, this evil plague that we're living with. And we're we're like, is it ever going to end? Probably not. Probably not. So we have to realize where we're at in history and where the church is at in history. Are we in the end times? Yes, I believe we are. I really believe we are. And I believe there's an antichrist as far as I believe there's a real person that will be antichrist. And uh, when you see the things that are going on now, you can't hardly believe what you're seeing. You don't believe it. Now, I this week, I must say, I was deeply disturbed, deeply disturbed at what I saw on the news, especially with this Afghanistan thing. And I'm looking at an airplane, a big, huge cargo plane. Could you imagine how big this thing was, that there was over 800 people that were crammed into this plane? 
And I see this cargo plane. I see this is an American plane. It's an American plane. And I see people hanging on to the wheels of the plane as it's getting ready to take off. I'm thinking to myself, why aren't they clearing these people? Why aren't they trying to get these people away from this plane? Why didn't they do that? And then I see people dropping from the sky as the plane's taking off. And I can't even believe what I'm seeing. I, it, it was so disturbing to see that, that the total disregard for human life, that they couldn't even make sure that people weren't hanging on the wheels of this airplane before it took off. They were in such a hurry to get out of there. And then you see uh, the Taliban on Twitter. They have a Twitter account, the Taliban. And they're allowed to have a Twitter account. And they're allowed to put up their videos. And if you go, you'll see a video of the Taliban with our American-made rifles. We left all our equipment there. Black Hawk helicopters, tanks, rifles, night vision equipment, drones, everything was left there so that the Taliban can use it and probably use it against us. And those same cargo planes that brought the cargo into Afghanistan could have carted the cargo away before they decided to leave Afghanistan. I'm like, who is running this show? Who Who is doing this? And why are they doing this? There has to be a purpose. There has to be a purpose to all of it because it doesn't make any sense. And then there's thousands of Americans that are left there, basically abandoned by the government. And then they wanted to charge people, our government wanted to charge people $2,000 in order to get back home from Afghanistan. Now, were they charging? Were they charging all those Afghan people that were sitting in that cargo plane? Did they say to them, it's going to cost you $2,000 to get out of here? I thought that before you leave a country, before American troops leave a country, you have to make sure that you you evacuate the American citizens and the, the people that are working in the embassy and, and uh, you either destroy or you take all the war equipment out so that the enemy doesn't get your war equipment. Uh, you know, did you ever think in your life you were ever going to see anything like that? Never, never. And my father was in World War II. He drove a tank. And he told me he was in the Battle of the Bulge. Well, I asked him about how he felt about war. He said, well, we had to fight because we had to defeat Hitler, which they did. They had to defeat Hitler. He was like Antichrist Jr. He was the, he was what, when you looked at Hitler, and I'm sure probably Christians back then, they thought for sure Hitler was the Antichrist. They said, oh, he's got to be it because he had all the hallmarks of the Antichrist. But he was a forerunner of what the Antichrist would be like. So you see now, with everything falling apart, that uh, you see 
the government with this total disregard for human life and forcing people to get these vaccinations. And they're supposed to, uh, the FDA is supposed to give their final approval, which, which these vaccines were experimental. Of course, they were never approved yet by the FDA. They were just experimental and they were experimenting on everybody. And so now they want to give this final approval on Monday, they're supposed to rush it through, which it usually takes years before you can find out what the side effects are of any vaccination. I'm not anti-vaccination. No, I am not anti-vaccination. What I am anti of is the ingredients that they use in the vaccination. There's a way to make them safe without using aborted baby parts, without using mercury and aluminum and whatever else they use that is not necessary. So when I grew up, we had one vaccine, one. And then I think when I was about in third grade or fourth grade or whatever, they came with a sugar cube for a polio vaccine. But this was before they started using aborted baby parts to make vaccines. Now, if you don't believe me, you can look up vaccine uh, inserts you can look up the inserts yourself because every when when you get a a vial of a vaccine inside it comes in a box and inside the box is a vaccine ingredient list it tells you about the vaccine you probably got those things when you get a prescription at the drugstore it tells you all the side effects which they don't sometimes don't tell you all the side effects, but it tells you the ingredients. And one of the ingredients is human diploid cells. You'll see it on the package insert. And that is from aborted babies. And it's in most vaccines. It's not in every coronavirus vaccine, but it is in some of them. And you can get the whole complete list of the vaccine ingredients from Children of God for Life, like I said before, it's a Catholic website. I do not endorse Catholicism at all, but the uh, the people that run this organization have done a good job as far as doing their investigating into what's in the vaccines and who makes a safe vaccine and who doesn't. So yeah, a safe vaccine, a safe vaccine, not something that you don't know what the side effects are going to be. And the long-term side effects and how it's going to hurt people down the road. So you have to know what uh, somebody's coming at you with a hypodermic needle. You want to know what's in that thing. And so once they give, once the FDA gives the all clear on this Pfizer vaccine, which to me it's one of the worst because of the mRNA technology, which is not they don't use the virus in the vaccine they use a they use a technology and even the and i'm going to play an audio from uh the doctor that had the patent for this mrna technology and he's even saying himself that it's not safe because they haven't done enough study there hasn't been enough time that has gone on to study the side effects of it. So 
it's up to you to do your research before you make a decision. I can't tell you what to do. It's up to you to make a decision for yourself. But just be educated about what your decision is going to be and research it for yourself. Because I just found out, and I didn't know this, because you hear people talking about the CDC, and the CDC said this, and the CDC said that. Well, the CDC is a private organization. It's it's a 5013C organization, and it's funded through donations. So a lot of organizations that are funded through donations, they usually want to make sure they don't rock a certain boat here and there so that they continue to get their donations. So I wouldn't consider them a an authority on uh, certain things because they probably have a bias, which a lot of people would if they're taking money. Now, for instance, if you have if you've ever been in a church situation where there were big money, there were people in the church that gave big money to the church. They were the big guns there, and you you probably didn't give a lot of money at the church. So if it came right down to it that there was a situation where who is the pastor going to like more, you or the person that w- was the big giver? <laughs> I've seen this happen. I've seen it happen where it was the big giver. No matter what the big giver did, the pastor sided with the big giver, not with you. If you, if you weren't like the million-dollar giver or whatever, No, they wouldn't side with you if it came right down to it. No, you weren't that important because you weren't, you weren't giving them a lot of money. So you, you see that. So you, you would see it in the the same thing with an organization like the CDC where they're private fund uh, funded through donations, they would probably have a bias. So because I've had people say, well, you know, the the CDC didn't okay this, and well, <laughs> they have their they have their reasons for what they believe. But I remember years ago, probably in the 1980s, there there used to be, and there still is, of course, there still is this treatment for people that had clogged arteries, and and uh, so if you had clogged arteries, of course. The usual treatment is that they they give you a stent or and then that leads to open heart surgery later on. So they didn't they didn't really give you an alternative as to, well, maybe there's a way that you could clean your arteries. So they didn't they didn't so much promote that. So back in the 80s, there was these doctors that. Because there's there's two fields really in medicine there's usually two opinions. There's a certain opinion where the doctor, if you go to the doctor with a symptom, they'll give you a pill and the pill is supposed to cure the symptom. Well, if there's a symptom, there's a reason you're having the symptom. Maybe you're doing something, maybe you really are doing something wrong. Not all the time, not all the time, because we're susceptible to environmental things too, but maybe you have to change your diet because I had I had one relative that they had diabetes so bad, but they would drink Coca-Cola from, and then the, their foot was, you know, they were losing toes. And I'm like thinking to myself, well, if you have diabetes, like, why are you eating sugar? You know, 
that didn't make any sense. Like, what kind of a doctor are you going to? But anyway, they had this um, treatment for uh, called chelation. And, and chelation treatment, it's an intravenous treatment where they put this solution, EDTA, I think it is, they put it into your veins, and it's supposed to clean out your arteries so that you get rid of the plaque and whatever. So, but they were arresting doctors that were doing it. They did not want these doctors to use this treatment. And doctors went to jail because they were doing it. Well, then, of course, years went on, went by, and then miraculously, the treatment began uh, to be accepted, and not in, not in all circles, not in all circles it wouldn't be, but it uh, was more accepted and doctors were allowed to do it. And then different doctors, which they would practice what they would call natural medicine, but they, but they couldn't just practice natural medicine. They also had to practice the other medicine too. They couldn't just tell you, change your diet, maybe take vitamins. Now, and I'm not saying all medicines don't work. Some medicines do work. They really do. So, but sometimes you have to make some changes in, in uh, what you're doing too, to try to get healthy. So they allowed these treatments and then doctors would give uh, vitamins. They would give diet advice and they would do these therapies, intravenous vitamin therapies and the chelation treatments. And some people got better from these things as far as where they didn't have to have open heart surgery and they changed their diet. Now, I know from my own experience with my own family, my father lived to be 93 and he was not on one medication. When he died, the medical examiner was saying, where is the pills? I said, well, he doesn't have any. He didn't take anything. He took, I made sure that they ate good and we ate, this is what we did anyway. We ate all organic food and they took different supplements and minerals and things. And even though they had a little bit of plaque, I changed their diet and they ate a low fat diet and uh, they used to go and get these, um, ultrasounds, which you don't have to have a prescription to get an ultrasound to check your arteries. You can, they have these mobile ultrasounds, $100, $150, but almost every year they would go and have their arteries checked and take a look, but they were in good condition. Let me tell you, my mother was 91 when she passed away and uh, she only, when she was about 88, she had a little trouble with her heart as far as it wasn't beating correctly. So she was on one medication, but up to then she wasn't, but they, uh, they, they were in pretty good health and I attribute it to the Lord, of course, number one, but the, uh, the diet and the nutrition and they didn't have Alzheimer's or uh, anything like that either. So well, there's certain things that w- will work and certain things that will keep you healthy. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just telling you what I saw as far as my own family. 
And even with my father, he had a couple of those chelation treatments, not too many, but, and uh, he had some intravenous vitamin therapy, which seemed to work pretty good for him. And so I thank God that they lived a long life and I was able to enjoy them for the years that I was. But that's the thing. Do your own research. And especially now with these, with what's going on for us and the way we have to live. And all of us have been affected by this thing. Every single one of us have been affected. We've known people that have died from this. People have suffered. And uh, people have long-lasting side effects. So we just have to be educated and who knows what's going to happen. It, I was watching a few things uh, on the news and I've been paying a, a attention to especially what's happening over in Australia. You just can't believe the restrictions in that country. And you're even seeing it here now where hospitals are rejecting people because they don't have a vaccination. And people can't work if they don't have a vaccination. But you can look it up on the internet, there's different websites. If you want an exemption, there's a religious exemption. There's, a, I think there's a medical exemption, but you can search and look for those exemptions and they have some forms that you can use to uh, get these exemptions. Now, I think some people would object on a religious ground because of the ingredients in some of these vaccines. I personally do not want anything that comes from an aborted baby. I I don't want any I don't want any medicine like that and I certainly don't want any vaccination that has used these ingredients. So we're going to see these kind of things where especially after they give the okay on this thing the FDA I think we're going to see a lot more mandates. A lot more mandates. Now I personally am not getting vaccination and uh, I just try to be very very careful and and if it was me and I got sick you can look online for um, some of the doctors if this is your choice like I said I'm not giving medical advice because I'm not a doctor but the uh, American frontline doctors they have a big uh, full list of doctors that would give you Um, hydroxychloroquine or would give you ivermectin, these other treatments that will keep you out of the hospital. There is a a video, and I'll I'll play a clip as soon as we get started with the audios, of uh, Dr. Zelenko, a Jewish doctor who successfully treated, he said, I think 600 or 6,000 patients with his protocol. And even here in the state of Florida, uh, they're using the um, monocloidal, oh, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly, antibody treatment, which is the IV treatment, which I, I don't know if I 100% endorsed it because of the way it was tested. 
it was Regeneron is the treatment that uh, President Trump used and Rudy Giuliani. And they're offering it here in the state of Florida for free. Anybody that wants the treatment can go to a clinic and get it so they could try to stay out of the hospital as far as um, if you catch what I, what I see with this virus is that if you can catch it in the beginning and take some of these medications immediately, then it will, it would do you a lot of good to try to keep you out of the hospital and keep you off a ventilator, which that's horrible. You know, if you have to go through that. So, and they say to take a lot of vitamin D and zinc and different things. Uh, I don't know anybody personally that's taken these drugs. I see some people on the internet and uh, hear their testimonies. And of course, doctors. Now, like I said, there's usually two schools of thought in medicine. And so then you have the doctors saying, okay, this treatment has worked for me and for my patients. Now they have, don't have any reason to lie. You know, <laughs> These are doctors and uh, their life for some doctors, not all doctors, because some, some doctors are crooks and they just treat people so they can get a lot of money from Medicare or Medicaid or whatever. They do anything, but, some doctors really do care about people and that's why they go into medicine. So they, uh, they're not going to lie and say, well, I'm using ivermectin and it's working on my patients. I, they're not dying at, uh, at such a fast rate and I'm keeping them out of the hospital. So they have no reason to lie, <laughs> you know, regardless of what the CDC says or, or somebody else says that has an ulterior motive because they make a lot of money. They're making a billion dollars a some of these companies, a billion dollars a month on the vaccine. And you can, I think they were saying you can, these ivermectin uh, pills were like 20 cents each. So there's a financial incentive in uh, medicine. And ivermectin was used for years for worms in animals that so you could buy it at the feed store. I don't know if they sell it anymore at the feed store. I know they used to. But you could walk into any animal feed store, farm supply or whatever, and you could buy ivermectin for your horse or your dog or your cow or whatever. And so it's been around for a long time. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, our sister Shannon, she's, she's saying that too, that the frontline doctors have a website and they do, they have a a list of doctors. That's your choice. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I don't prescribe medicine. I don't tell people take this medicine, take that medicine. I can only tell you what I know or what I've heard or uh, so it's, it's the medical decisions are your decisions. And so you have a right to know you you're supposed to have informed consent but i noticed that a couple of times and i try to stay away from the doctor myself if i don't you know i don't if i don't have to go i don't go and i know a few times you'd go and they're doing they start doing something to you and they're not even telling you what they're doing they just do things to you and you have to, you stop and you ask questions they don't like you to ask questions too many questions 
or then they'll tell you, where did you learn that from the internet? Like, well, <laughs> I can read a medical book, just like you can read a medical book. I can read a medical book. And uh, so uh, you have to have informed consent. They're supposed to inform you before they give you an injection, before they give you a medication, before they examine you. They're supposed to tell you what they're going to do, what tests they're going to do, what the test uh, is, what are the side effects of a test. You have to be informed, and then you have to consent. But they don't want you to consent anymore. They just you have to have this vaccine. Otherwise you can't work, you can't go to the restaurant, you can't go to the gym, you can't go to church, you can't you can't do you can't walk outside, which is the situation in Australia. And you'll see some of these videos from Australia and they're pulling this one uh guy on the internet. They pull him over. And they're following him because he's got this YouTube channel. And I, I don't agree 100% with all his methods, I must say, but I, I don't agree with the way these police officers were acting either because they follow him and they sit outside his house. He's not posing a threat to them at all, except that he's voicing his opinion on YouTube. And then he, when the police stop, stop him, he makes videos and he, and he shows what's happening. So they stop him and they want to give him a, a drug test. This is a traffic stop. They pull him over and they tell him they want to give him a drug test. And so he said, he asked them, well, why are you giving me a drug test? Is this just something that you're stopping me for random is it random or is it targeted and they said it's targeted we're targeting you and so he has to submit to a drug test otherwise he's going to get arrested so i mean how accurate can that drug test be so they're all wearing masks he's not wearing a mask in his car he's driving a car and so they they're asking him how come you don't have a mask on well he's in his car and then they ask him, where are you going? And so he said, I'm, I'm going, there's one place I'm going, and then I'm making a few other stops. And they, they, they kept asking him, where are you going? We need, you have to tell us exactly where you're going, because if you don't tell us exactly where you're going, you're violating the law. And how come you're on this road? You say you're going here, but you're driving down this road, and this road's not going there. So then they give him a ticket and they tell him he's under arrest and he's getting a thousand dollar fine because he won't tell them where he's going. Now, since when do you pull people over randomly and you, you require that they have a drug test and you tell them they're being targeted. And then you tell them that because you don't, you won't tell me exactly where you're going. We're going to give you a ticket and we're putting you under arrest. You have to go to court. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? No, I mean, if it was me, I would just, okay, here's where I'm going. But he didn't want to tell, he told them a couple of places he was going, but he didn't, he was going five or six places. So he didn't feel like he had to tell them everything about where he was going. But can you imagine that? Somebody pulling you over and then have to tell them exactly where you're going for no reason. Like, why are you asking me where I'm going? <laughs> you know, 
then they pull this they pull this drug testing kid out and they make him put it in his mouth. Oh, you know, they take it out of this envelope and they make the guy put it in his mouth. He has to do it. Otherwise, he's, they're taking him away. And so he has to do it. And then they take it. The, the uh, police officers take it in their car. And it's one of these rapid drug tests, which I don't know how much validity you could give to those either. And uh, they come back and they say, of course, you know, the test is negative. And uh, so, but this is what's going on in Australia. They're not allowed to be out of their house. They can be stopped at any time if they're driving down the road and the police can ask them where they're going. And they have to tell them exactly where they're going because they're not allowed out of their house unless they're, they're going someplace that's approved or someplace they're allowed to go. Now, that's pretty scary. And, and so when you see they just passed this bill Supposedly, it's an infrastructure bill, but in, in this infrastructure bill, all states are going to get about $125 million or more, and they can require that you, you're tracked when you drive. They want to know where you're going, how many miles you're going. Yeah. And so then they want you to get these electric cars that you have to charge up, and it takes hours to charge up. So can you imagine what that's going to do to traveling? Who's going to want to stop someplace and charge up a car for 25, 30 minutes? Usually when you get gas, you stop, and you hate to stop anyway for gas. We like pumping gas. And so it takes 10, 15 minutes. Now you have to go someplace and charge up your car. What if people are waiting in line? How many charging stations are there going to be? And then they were saying something like you might have to Sometimes you have to charge the car for 24 to 48 hours. (laughs) What is going on? I mean, can you imagine what life is going to be like when that happens? Oh, I'm like, Lord, please, Lord Jesus, come back and get us out of this insane asylum that we're living in. In fact, you can't look. You can't look at the news too much because you say, "Oh Lord, help us." But anyway, let's listen to what Second Timothy three has to say. Chapter three. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, as Jannes and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, 
as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished unto all good works. Amen to that. And and uh, you'll hear some of these preachers, like I think it was Todd White the other day, saying that he's being persecuted because people are talking about him. Well, that's not persecution when somebody's talking about you because you're a false teacher. Oh, they're persecuting me. No, that's not persecution because somebody's talking about you. Persecution is when they're throwing you to the lions like they used to do back in the day. If you've ever been to Rome, you can see the Colosseum. That was a sport, was to throw Christians to the lions. And uh, talk to the, all the apostles that were murdered for their faith except one, John the Revelator. They were all murdered for their faith. That's persecution, not somebody talking about you. That's not persecution. Don't feel sorry for these preachers that cry and moan because somebody's talking about them. Well, maybe you should listen. Maybe you'd learn something instead of crying about being persecuted. Well, here's something. Now we're talking about Australia. Here's something that was on the Australian news. I could hardly believe this myself when I saw it, but you can see the video. Uh, if you go to, um, I think it was either on, I think it might have been on, I might be on YouTube or, or uh, BitChute. There's a video of a newscaster, a lady newscaster from Australia, and she's reading the news about that they're going to make a law to make it a felony or something to injure a police dog. And so she's reading, and then right in the middle of her reading the news, these Satanists come on, and they're saying, Hail Satan. Now, how did that happen? Anyway, here's the audio, if you could believe this. Newtown local court on the 6th of September 2021. 6th of September, we're having a protest. The proposed legislation today, it's in part due to the stabbing of a police dog during an arrest in Brisbane last year. Recent outages have shown how just one tenses Queensland Parliament. The state government announced the proposed legislation today. It's in part due to the stabbing of a police dog during an arrest in Brisbane last year. Recent outages have shown how just one Queensland Parliament. The state government announced the proposed legislation today. It's yeah. How, how did that happen? 
Oh, that happened. But if you look at what's going on in Australia, it is it is demonic. It is demonic. Can you imagine that you're pulled over in your car and you have to t- you have to tell the police officer for no reason. You have to tell them exactly where you're going and why you're driving on the road. Why are you taking this road and why aren't you taking that road? And if you don't tell them where you're going, you're arrested. Anyway, here's some audio from this situation that this guy was going through when he was stopped. Newtown Local Court on the 6th of September 2021. 6th of September, we're having a protest at Newtown Local Court. Okay. Keep going. All right. For uh, two offences, one for knowingly uh, make a false or misleading statement under the Crimes Act, and uh, two for being the responsible person and disclosing the details of the driver of your vehicle. Mate. Okay, so listen to me for a second. Nonsense. How do I... Uh, Me for yelling, eh? Huh? Oh, Go for it. Arrest. I'm under arrest. Yeah, I already told you. Sorry, you I'm under arrest. I already told you. For a crime I didn't commit, just you because I'm not supplying information. Unfortunately for you, you just committed it and no. uploaded it to YouTube. Mate, if I don't remember, what do we think? You guys all saw it, live streamed, threw a bunch of tickets at me. For a crime I didn't commit, they want to allege in June they saw me speeding or they saw somebody speeding and they want me to. Rec- Are you going to give me another fine? Yeah, I'll go. Well, come here, let's have an interview about it. If you're going to question me, come and question me. Where are you going to? Are you going to? He can question me. I can question you. Where are you going to? Where you were travelling to, what your reason for being outside of your home is. Right, so what what have we done here? I'm asking you the question. Are you refusing to tell me the answer to it? I am in construction. I'm essential. I own the business. Where are you going to? I've got multiple sites. 560 Botany Road is one of them. Okay, is that where you're travelling to now? That's the question. I've got multiple sites. I've got a big Uh, day Where are you travelling to right now? I've got to pick up my car from the smash repair. Okay, where are you travelling to right now? I have not committed a crime yet. I'm not going to facilitate... You've already been charged with a crime. So where are you travelling I'm not going to... Do you want to give me another $1,000 ticket? Yeah, that's what what I just said. For what? For breaching the stay at home legislation. What is the stay at... Okay, what have I breached? You haven't given me a reason for why you're out. I told you I'm an essential worker. I'm in construction. I don't believe you because you, you don't believe me. Address or I just said 560 Botany Road okay. is one of them. All right. So have a seat. Back in your car. Bye bye. Okay. If no. you're a very busy man, that's fine. So you're not going to give me that thousand dollar fine now. No, I said I am. You are. Yeah, you'll just get it in the post. No, no. For what reason? He's got a thousand dollar fine now because he wouldn't tell them all the desk, every single place that he was going to. He told them two places he was going, but because he wouldn't name every single place that he was going, and why is he, you notice that they said, why are you out of your house? Where are you going? Why are you out of your house? Now they can't leave their house unless there's a valid reason for them to be, they can't even go for a ride in their car. Yeah. It's insane. And Apparently, they have these cameras all over the city, and this now this was done in August, and so they're saying to him that in June, they have it on video that, and he never knew about this before, No, they never contacted him, that they saw his car go through a red light or, they, or speeding or something in June on one of these cameras, and they're demanding that he tell them who was driving the car? Well, he says, I don't know who was driving the car on that day because other people drive my car. And so they said that now he committed another crime because he wouldn't tell them who was driving the car. And so he, they arrested him for that, and he has to go to court.
in September to uh, find out what's going to happen to him, which would be interesting. Now, like I said, I I would have handled it a little bit differently because there's no use antagonizing the police. Uh, You're not going to (laughs) win. You're not going to (laughs) win. So if they ask you a question, answer, unless like it's a really stupid question, because sometimes they can ask you really stupid questions. And, uh, but just don't antagonize. Because it, it was like the more this guy antagonized them, the more they slapped things on him, which they had the authority to do. You know? <laughs> they had the authority to do it. So, yeah. Anyway, that's the situation in Australia, which is crazy. Oh, but it's a model. You know, to me, it's like a model of uh, what could happen. Anyway, here, I'm just going to play this. Of course, these things were passed in, the, they have the Nuremberg Codes, which were passed after World War II, which you can't force anybody to accept an experimental treatment, which was basically what was happening with the vaccinations, because they are experimental at this point, And you can't force people to accept an experimental medication. So they passed these codes where at that time, of course, you know, the Nazis were experimenting on humans with different drugs and things. And uh, so they passed these Nuremberg codes, but let's listen to a little bit of this. Code German, Nuremberger Codex, is a set of research ethics principles for human experimentation set as a result of the subsequent Nuremberg trials at the end of the Second World War. The origin of the Nuremberg Code began in pre-World War II German politics, particularly during the 1930s and 1940s. The pre-war German Medical Association was considered to be a progressive yet democratic association with great concerns for public health, one example being the legislation of compulsory health insurance for German workers. However, starting in the mid-1920s, German physicians usually proponents of racial hygiene, were accused by the public and the medical society of unethical medical practices. The use of racial hygiene was supported by the German government in order to create an Aryan master race and to exterminate those who did not fit into their criteria. Racial hygiene extremists merged with National Socialism to promote the use of biology to accomplish their goals of racial purity, a core concept in the Nazi ideology. Physicians were attracted to the scientific ideology and aided in the establishment of National Socialist Physicians League in 1929 to purify the German medical community of Jewish Bolshevism. Criticism was becoming prevalent. Alphonse Stauder, member of the Reich Health Office, claimed that the dubious experiments have no therapeutic purpose, and Frederick von Muller, physician and the president of the Deutsche Akademie, joined the criticism. In response to the criticism of unethical human experimentation, the Reich government issued guidelines for new therapy and human experimentation in Weimar, Germany. The guidelines were based on beneficence and non-malficence, but also stressed legal doctrine of informed consent. The guidelines clearly distinguished the difference between therapeutic and non-therapeutic research. For therapeutic purposes, 
The guidelines allowed administration without consent only in dire situations, but for non-therapeutic purposes any administration without consent was strictly forbidden. However, the guidelines from Weimar were negated by Adolf Hitler. By 1942, more than 38,000 German physicians were in the Nazi party, who helped carry out medical programs such as the sterilization law. After World War II, a series of trials were held to hold members of the Nazi party responsible for a multitude war crimes. The trials were approved by President Harry Truman in January 1946 and were led exclusively by the United States. They began on December 9, 1946 in Nuremberg, Germany, in what became known as the Nuremberg Trials. In one of the trials, which became known as the Doctor's Trial, German physicians responsible for conducting unethical medical procedures on humans during the war were tried. They focused on physicians that conducted inhumane and unethical human experiments in concentration camps, in addition to those who were involved in over 3,500,000 sterilizations of German citizens. Several of the accused argued that their experiments differed little from those used before the war and that there was no law that differentiated between legal and illegal experiments. On August 20, 1947, the judges delivered their verdict against Carl Brand and 22 others. In May 1947, while the trials were being held, six points defining legitimate medical research were submitted to the Council for War Crimes. Three judges, in response to expert medical advisors for the prosecution, adopted these points and added four additional points. The ten points constituted the Nuremberg Code, which includes such principles as informed consent and absence of coercion, properly formulated scientific experimentation, and beneficence towards experiment participants. It is thought to have been mainly based on the Hippocratic Oath, which was interpreted as endorsing the experimental approach to medicine while protecting the patient. The ten points of the Nuremberg Code. 1. Required is the voluntary, well-informed, understanding consent of the human subject in a full legal capacity. 2. The experiment should aim at positive results for society that cannot be procured in some other way. 3. It should be based on previous knowledge, for example, an expectation derived from animal experiments that justifies the experiment. Uh, you can look up the rest. There was 10 points. You can look up the rest. But, of, of course, informed consent. And you can't force people to take medicine. It's up to you. Like, even at, toward the end of your life, it's up to you what kind of treatment you're going to get or what kind of treatment you don't want. And uh, you're entitled to that. Nobody should force you to do to take medicine that you that uh, you don't want to take. It's a, it's your decision. It's your body. It's something that you have to live with. So I'm a big believer in informed consent. I think it's very very important. And here's Dr. Zelenko, uh, a Jewish doctor. Now there's like about a 20 25 minute video that's very, very shocking, but it, it's deeply upsetting to uh, hear him talk and to hear uh, how he he uh, talks about 
the uh, the treatments and people being forced to take treatments that they may not agree with. But uh, anyway, here's Dr. Zelenko. The Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. Dr. Zelenko is a board-certified family physician for over 20 years. He has been described by his patients as a family member to thousands of families, and he is a medical advisor to the Volunteer Ambulance Corps in Kiryas Joel, New York. Dr. Zelenko developed his now famous Zelenko Protocol, which has saved countless lives worldwide. So uh, welcome, Dr. Zelenko. Thank you for joining us. And uh, I would like you to uh, comment on our uh, subject, please. Thank you so much for having me. Can you hear me? So I'll just give you quickly my, my experience. My team has directly treated uh, successfully 6,000 patients. I've trained hundreds of physicians who are now training their students. And as a cumulative group, we've treated millions of patients successfully. Uh, President Trump was my patient. Rudy Giuliani was my patient. Reb Chaim Konevsky has been my patient. Uh, Rabbi Lit Mr. Litzman, your health minister of Israel last year was my patient. I'm, ju I'm just telling you um, which people have contacted me for care, and including President Bolsonaro of Brazil. Now, uh, my experience has given me a very uh, unique perspective in, in approaching COVID-19, which is basically keeping people out of the hospital. Um, um, there's no necessity. Let me explain. Any Anytime you evaluate any therapeutic, you need to look at it, at it from three perspectives. Is it safe? Does it work? And do you need it? Just because you have a capability doesn't mean that you have to use it. There has to be a medical necessity. There has to be a need for it. You look at the CDC, the out of theory. You know, 18 months ago, if I would have told you that COVID-19 is a bioweapon, you would say, I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know, Noah in the Bible was a conspiracy theorist until it rained. So right now, if I tell you that this is an artificially made bioweapon, it's, it's a conspiracy, but not a theory. Everyone agrees that this is artificially made. And I, even, I, have, I know exactly when it was made, and I know the patent numbers associated with the modifications. In, two, in, in 1999, Dr. Ralph Barrett, at the University of North Carolina, modified a bat coronavirus in, on a surface protein in order that it should infect human beings. Then that research became illegal in America. It got sent by the American taxpayer dollars and by Fauci to Wuhan, where that research continued and until they figured out a way to modify this virus to make it extremely more destructive to human lungs and to cause blood clots. So they took an artificial, a naturally occurring virus and slowly made two changes to it over time. It took them 22 years to, uh, 20 years to, to modify that it should infect humans. And then when it does infect humans, that it should destroy tissue. Now, no one's saying I'm a conspiracy theorist. People are saying that it's a conspiracy. It's so hard for Jewish people to believe there could be a group of people willing to destroy. It's a war against God. There's two ways of looking at life. Either you look at a, a human being is made in the image of God. If you're made in the image of God, that means your life has sanctity. If you have, your life has sanctity, then you have human rights. And if you have human rights, it's not your business or my business to decide how many people should be 
on the planet and who should live or die. The other system, the let's call it the, the Darwin eugenic system, but it actually goes back to kind. But that system says basically who, who is on top of the dominant hierarchy of life, those that have the biggest survival benefits. That inevitably leads to three categories of people, the Ubermensch, the Mensch, and the Untermensch. If you apply that 80 years ago, the Ubermensch were these Nazis, who were descendants of Aryan gods, who felt it was in their uh, prerogative, their right, to decide who lives or dies. Okay, thank you very much, Doctor. I, I want to give you a personal thank you because I used your protocol. I had, I had myself. I had COVID, and I, I was able to get the your your protocol here in Israel. So, so I'm glad you got better. I just hope that every other Jew could be like you. And I second Rabbi Talavas too in the same boat. We worked with him for this. Thank you, Doc. You're welcome. So why can't every other Jew? First of all, I call to tell you for me. But let's, uh, it's not about me, it's about Paul Israel. Why can't every other Jew in Eretz Israel have the same treatment? Anyway, it was a very compelling uh, video and uh, a man that really seems to care. But of course, if you want to, uh, he talked about a Dr. Ralph Barrick, and um, you can look him up. It's B for boy, A-R-I-C, Ralph Barrick, and he is the one that he's talking about developed this patent when he was doing these experiments back in the 1990s. But you can look up his information. I did. I didn't read it through. I didn't. Uh, it was already toward the end of when I was preparing that I that I uh, heard his name mentioned. But he was developing this virus as far as the different experiments that they were doing and. Uh, now, I'm not 100% sure myself exactly who is responsible. There, there probably is some responsibility with the Chinese and uh, the labs, but it's kind of an insidious thing when you think about the whole world being infected with a virus. Whoever thought we were going to see that in, the, in our day? We never thought we were going to see it. So who did it? I don't know if we'll ever know, but we know that it, we know that the devil's behind it. That's for sure. But here's an attorney from Hawaii who's filed a class action lawsuit against people, uh, four people that have been injured by the vaccine. Women who are concerned about being pregnant or getting pregnant are looking at this vaccine, and no one really knows, other than the fact that you can still get the virus if you're vaccinated. You can still spread the virus if you're vaccinated. It is now spread not only to unions, to public schools, to private schools, um, workers all over the state that can't support their families because the governor mandates you're getting inoculated or you're getting fired. With influenza, when they found 53 deaths as a result of the vaccine, they suspended the vaccine. We can show 45,000 deaths in 72 hours from this vaccine. You have companies making a billion plus a month. The pressure they put on the FDA to endorse these vaccines is unbelievable. I think they'd rather pay people for the deaths of their family members 
then stop making the billion dollars a month. So we're going to go through now the plan, what we're filing, who we're filing for, and the progression for the rest of the year, what we're going to do to try to help workers, parents, and everyone else that's going to be affected by what the existing governor's order is. I'm attorney Sean Louise, and together with Michael J. Green and Kristen Kokara, we're going to represent the plaintiffs in a uh, class action against the governor's vaccine. Different uh, aspects of the vaccine mandate that violate our clients' right to autonomy in their personal health care decisions, to decide what is best for them, what is best for their families, and they're be, being deprived of that right in violation of the First, the Fourth, the Fifth, the Fourteenth Amendments, the Civil Rights Act of 1871, 42 U.S.C. Section 1983. My name is uh, Kaimi Pelekai. I'm a fire captain with the Honolulu Fire Department. I've been a fireman for 20 years. Uh, my father was a fireman for 37. Governor Ige's mandate um, was interpreted by our mayor to mean if you didn't put an experimental drug in your body that you don't have enough information about to make an informed decision or you didn't get an approved religious or medical exemption in the next 10 days, it literally said you could be fired. I spent the last 20 years of my life and 37 years watching my dad do this job. And because I didn't want to put an experimental drug in my body, I got to give that all up. I got to choose between my personal freedom and, and I'm talking, not just talking about me, but people who are first responders like me, who love our job, who love the people of Honolulu so much. We leave our families every day willing to sacrifice our lives for them. That's how much we love this city and the people of this city. I leave my family every day knowing I may not come home. And I gladly do it with a smile on my face because that's who I am. That's who every one of us is. Every firefighter, every policeman, every paramedic, every EMT, every lifeguard. We run in when everybody's running out. We jump in front of the bullets when they're being fired. We swim into the 40-foot waves. And I have to choose between that career that I've committed to or putting an experimental drug that I don't know what it's going to do to me in my body or I've or I got to give all that up. You're not doing this to us, and, and you don't have to worry. We're going to show up every day. If they're going to fire us, they're going to fire us. And that's up, up to them. Well, we'll be there for you. We're going to be at work. Don't worry. If we're not there, it's because of them. It's because of the mayor. It's because of the governor. We want to be there. We signed up for this. This is what we want to do with the rest of our lives. We want to run in. We want to stop the bullet. We want to swim into the 40-foot wave to save your lives. That's what we want. That's what we want it to be. And if we're not there on the 16th, you can call Mayor Blandiotti and thank him. These, these selfless servants go day in and day out and serve the community, and they're just asking for the chance to choose. Everyone, it's a personal, autonomous health care decision. 
and everyone should make their own choice whether or not they want to take a vaccine or not. It should never be ordered by the government against someone's wishes. And the only reason they got the emergency youth authorization to even have this vaccine is because it was, it was agreed that it would be voluntary in accordance with federal law. And our state and local government needs to obey the federal law, they need to honor the federal law, and they need to honor all of these 1,200 first responders and let them have the right to choose. You're one of the bravest souls we have. Everybody knows what firefighters do. You know what police officers do. The same broken hearts are coming from parents of children who lost their lives after they got this vaccine. A mother calls me because her son said, give me the vaccine, Mom. I have to wrestle in my last year at school so I can go on to college. He wound up in the coronary unit the next couple of days. What you're hearing from, from this, this firefighter echoes for people across this state. We don't believe that the governor is a horrible guy or the mayor. They just don't know what. They're responding from fear and anxiety, and they're getting information that's the wrong information. Yeah, that's his name is Attorney Green in Hawaii. Here's another clip from them about this vaccine and what it does and what it could do to their families and themselves, aside from religious reasons or physical reasons. So now you know what you don't like the gifts. Now let me show you what we're going to do to you. We offered you the carrot. Now you do get the stick. Now you do get it. You want to feed your family. You want to be able to get groceries at Safeway. You know, this is the heavy-handedness that, that we're now seeing is shocking to the conscience, for Hawaii especially. Um, and, and, you know, there's got to be a voice. And, and, and it's like I said, I've, this could be the most important time in my life as a lawyer, and I know my colleagues feel the same way. I mean, there's, there has to be a voice for the people that don't know where to go or where to turn. And, and like I said, we'll do everything we can. So any drug you're taking over the, from your doctor it takes 12 years for them to say it's okay for you to take it. But they let me shoot this drug that hasn't been around for even a year yet in my body. So exactly, risk assessment, risk to reward. Somebody who's old, somebody who's sick, maybe their reward for taking something that's only been around for six months is good because they get more chance of dying from the COVID and dying from the, the experimental drug. But somebody who's healthy... Why take the risk? Because we don't know what the reward is. They never do this for 12 years. Six months only. Risk, reward. Exactly. We assess the scene. We figure out what the safety is, how we got to protect ourselves to go into an environment that can hurt us. And right now with this vaccine, it would be defensive position. Stay out. Nobody go in. Because we don't know. We have no idea how the thing's going to hurt us. We would surround and drown if this was on fire. We would never send anybody in there with the kind of information we get about the vaccine. Because somebody could die because you don't have enough information to make a good risk assessment. And there's alternative treatments. There's hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. There's alternatives that could be approved. And there's, there's no reason just to force a uh, – this has only been approved under emergency use authorization. And the federal government cannot order you to take this because it has its condition, its approval is conditioned on being a purely voluntary – um, medical product to take. 
So everyone should be able to have that own freedom, their personal choice, their personal autonomy to choose whether or not they want something that was only approved under an emergency use act. And if the federal government cannot do it, then uh, my client, as a citizen of not only Hawaii, but also of the United States, the federal government, if the federal government cannot mandate the vaccine, then neither can the state and local government because they're bound by the 14th Amendment in the Civil Rights Act of 1871 to honor that. What is being done now is pitting people against each other. I mean, almost to the point of violence, where you have nurses looking at other nurses, outraged that they didn't take the vaccine. You have parents of kids who have been vaccinated. That's what the parent decided. Sitting next to a kid who has not been, because they have religious reasons not to, or an absolute fear that they don't want their son or daughter to be one of those 45,000 that died from it. You've, you've got people that, that the animus towards each other now, because government cannot get together and understand what's in the best interest of people that's well-reasoned. It's tearing our community apart. It's torn our mayors apart in this sense. They can't agree. And they're making billions a month. Yeah. So thank God that there are some attorneys that are willing to step up and file these class action lawsuits to protect people that have a different opinion. And uh, that is, they're, they're causing people to uh, hate each other because there's one side that's all for being vaccinated and there's another side that's for choosing whether to be vaccinated or not. So you can't hate somebody because they don't want to get a vaccine and you can't hate somebody because they get it. It's a personal choice and uh, it shouldn't be mandated. Um, that's my belief. I don't believe that you can force people to uh, do these things against their will. But here's a Dr. Uh, Peter Malone, and uh, he was the one that invented the, or has it here, I think he's got a patent on the mRNA technique that was used in the Pfizer vaccine, which is the vaccine that actually did not use a live virus. They used this a spike protein that's delivered through nanotechnology. But anyway, he is now coming out and saying that it's not safe because it wasn't, they didn't test it long enough, which makes sense. It just, it just makes so much sense. But anyway, here's him being interviewed. This is like every other vaccine right. you've ever yeah. seen. And it's not. That was Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology. There's a lot of talk going around at the moment about Pfizer's novel delivery method, this mRNA technique. And I thought you'd appreciate hearing from the inventor of that technology. This incredible tech is actually coming from his patents dating back as far as 1989, a long time ago, when he was so far ahead of his time that it is now only 30 years later that the world is turning to mucosal mRNA vaccine delivery techniques. His incredible discovery back then in the late 80s was that it is possible to transfect mRNA packages inside into a cell when it's protected by a little ball of fat, a little liposomal package. And once it gets into the cell, it can force that cell to produce certain proteins all on its own. It's reprogramming that cell to produce that protein. 
And that, of course, is exactly how our Pfizer vaccines work. What the what these vaccines do is they encode spike protein alone so that the immune system will learn to recognize spike protein and will catch it quickly when one is confronted with COVID. But the spike protein itself, we now know, is very dangerous. It's cytotoxic. Is that a fair description? More than fair, and I alerted the FDA about this risk. Um Months and months and months ago. And their determination was... It's a harmless spike protein. ...that they didn't think that that was sufficient documentation of the risk that the spike was biologically active. Right. Okay. They did not believe the spike was biologically active. That was the big mistake. We now know the spike protein is is very dangerous. Very dangerous. Is biologically. We also know... So if it was very dangerous... But it did what the brochure on these vaccines says it should do, which is lodge in the membrane of the cells that are doing the transcribing. It would be a lot less destructive. So with our cells now being taught on how to make this spike protein all on their own, I've always been interested to know exactly where in the body these lipid packages go to. Where do they coagulate? Where do they accumulate the most? And therefore, which parts of our body, which cells are the ones cranking out the spike proteins and whether or not the, the location in the body of those concentrations correlates at all, if, if at all, with some of the adverse uh, events being reported. We have no problems at all with mRNA vaccines. Right. It's just this particular vaccine, because of the spike protein and because it breaks, it cleaves off the cell and it goes throughout your body and your brain, your heart, and, you know, anywhere that you can have these symptoms that are so varied, whether it's a 16-year-old who can't talk or see 48 hours after injection, or, or someone who's, you know, handshakes, or someone who's, um, you know, my carpet cleaner, uh, uh, Tim, he's like disabled now. He's lost $30,000 in terms of his costs, and he's going in for an epidural because he's in such pain. And so these and these well, side effects, the, the, the victims of this of, of this vaccine, they're not being able to tell their story at the press because, you know, Tim says, I, I try to tell my story and the press ignores him. A freedom of information request has been successful in Japan where data from Pfizer has now been released showing this here in this graph that shows the biodistribution of those lipid nanoparticles that the mRNA packets are safely carried in into the cells. Now, this finally answers my question. Where exactly does this mRNA delivery system concentrate in the body? And it seems initially it's in the blood plasma, which is quite normal, uh, well, expected at least. But then we see long-term that accumulation increases in the bone marrow, but especially and, and dominantly in the ovaries. They were... Well, yeah, that's Dr. Robert Malone, not Peter Malone. But anyway, you can look for more of his videos, and he did invent this technology. So it's not a conspiracy theory. You know, he's, <laughs> I would say he knows what he's talking about since he, he's basically behind it. So there's a lot of good information out there. And really my heart is that you educate yourself and you do what's right what you feel is right for you and for your family and just try to stay safe just take the precautions and uh social distance as much as you can i think i think that's important and uh just be careful because it's it's a strange world we're living in today i i guess all our lives are different 
than they've ever been. And I don't think we like it. You know, I mean, who likes it? Because you can't go out and enjoy yourself like you used to. And, and so we just have to, we have to trust God. That's all we can do. What can we do except trust God? And thank God we know the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the most important thing. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ today? What else can you do if you didn't have Jesus to turn to? Where would you go? You wouldn't have any hope. You wouldn't have any peace. You wouldn't have any joy. But because we know the Lord, we know that he's going to protect us no matter what comes our way, what pestilence, what war, what rumor of war. The Lord will be there for us. So the most important thing is to ask Jesus into your life today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. He will give you a brand new life and he will give you peace and joy that you can't get from anyone else. Come on to Jesus and he'll heal you and he'll protect you and he will give you eternal life. God bless you. Thank you everybody that stopped by the chat room today and all our listeners around the world. God bless you. And remember, Jesus is Lord no matter what. Be the name of the Lord. He is my rock.